I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And welcome to every single album, One Direction. I'm Nora Princiati, joined as always by Nathan Hubbard. Nathan, we are at the end of our One Direction specific journey here. How how are you doing? How are you feeling about it? I'm not great. How did we come in second to the Beebs on this album? <laughs> it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene. Uh, what Nathan is referring to is that we are going to talk about Made in the AM, One Direction's fifth album on this episode. Which was released in November of 2015 and debuted at number one in the United Kingdom, but number two in the U.S. behind Justin Bieber's purpose. My mama don't like you and she likes everyone. Which maybe we acknowledge with chagrin, depending on how good or, or not so good you feel about the Beeb. I actually feel, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a bit of a believer. Yeah. Iffy personal decisions aside, but purpose, Look, I, yeah. I don't know if that was the high point of, of the Bieber experience. It actually, it, Made in the AM actually did better in its first week sales than Ford did. It's just that we had the Beebs comeback album that got in the way of a fifth consecutive number one debut on the U.S. charts. I mean, it's okay. Also, I quibble with purpose because I don't think it's like top to bottom super strong, but like the highs on that album. Yeah, are, they're pretty high. They're pretty high. And Asking honestly, the that's the just... question. Is it too late now to say sorry? Honestly, he's getting back at them for stealing his haircut. But the truth is, like, I think this is where chart position is a bit misleading because the demand for what we saw was higher than ever. Drag Me Down gets released unannounced, no warning absolutely blows up Spotify, absolutely blows up the charts. 
there is a ton of excitement and, and enthusiasm for what's happening now. You know, scarcity is the driver of lots of demand. And you have a fan base that is desperate in this moment for some validation and confirmation that this thing that they have been hotly following for four years now is not going to disappear. Right. So our last episode was on their fourth album, Four. Now there are four members because Zayn is gone. And I'm curious, Nathan, if just where this album sort of fits for you in One Direction's discography now that we are at the end of going through it, if this feels like a different album, if this album still feels kind of attached to four for you, where, like, break that down for me. I miss Zane, but this album stands on its own. I love the songwriting on this album lyrically, as we'll see. I have a hard time finding the shittiest lyric. I, I think they did a great job of evolving and maturing their sound. And I think that Liam and Louie get a lot of credit for that with maybe a hat tip to Niall too, who plays a role on this album. So in hindsight, for me, I love this album as a standalone evolution of what the band is doing. You can hear each of them refining their voice and using it as a stepping stone into what's going to come next. I still think, though, that that wasn't the, if you'll pardon the pun, purpose of this album. This was full-on a One Direction album that just happened to be without Zayn. And as I listen back through these tracks and read the reviews in the moment, a lot of people said, well, this is their, this is like the Beatles' Let It Be. They know everything's coming to an end and it's all winding down and this is sort of a goodbye parting gift. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I think it's more than that. I think it matters and I think it is the next step in what is an evolution that happens very quickly over a five-year period of time, but it is distinctly different and a step forward from four for me. How do you feel about it? Well, so I'm with you in part and not in full, and I think that makes sense because... What's new, Nora? Yeah, exactly. The story of One Direction, like in its entirety to me, is about these two sort of conflicting impulses and functions, one of which is just boy bands are naturally ephemeral. How could this possibly last? We have to squeeze every drop of, of production and productivity out of this group, out of these boys in as short a period of time as possible, work them to death in a lot of ways that created a lot of things that fans loved yes, and kept giving them more and more and, and making them fall more and more in love with this group, but also were really hard. And then the second track and the second trajectory, which emerged, which was maybe even unbeknownst to the people who found them and started working with them and maybe to the guys themselves initially, these are really musical people who had a lot to offer. And as the wear and tear of what they went through and the pace at which they were operating and all of the outside pressures and Zayn being upset and all of that, as all of that starts to take its toll the fact that they've gotten this real musical training and are coming into their own and discovering what they want to be as artists 
all of that is is coming more and more and more to the forefront. So there. Do you think of this, this as a push. One Direction album? So where I arrive is that I really, really do because I actually think yes. of this album, funnily enough, as not necessarily totally similar to Four, right. but I do couple it with Four because those are the two One Direction albums that I think are spectacular pieces of of music, spectacular <laughs> collections of songs that I just yeah. I. I feels like a group that's firing on all cylinders. And also they fundamentally sound like they were made with instruments more so than computers, which is something that I ascribe to the guys kind of discovering what they wanted to do and what they wanted to be. So you hear them come through, I think more in those two albums than in the earlier ones, which I think carry themselves with some really, really wonderful music, but especially more so than that, just with an attitude and with some sort of lightning in a bottle moments, like what makes you beautiful, just sort of for no good reason whatsoever, being a perfect pop song. So it's, it's funny that when they go through this, what should be a seismic shift of, of Zayn leaving and what was in a lot of ways, musically it doesn't feel that different there are differences but they do get to make this album and still be and feel like themselves and I think part of that is because the music is becoming there's more and more of the guys in the music so even though there's only four of them left they're really putting themselves into this stuff but we still have Julian Bonetta we still have John Ryan we still have Jamie Scott participating in every single track on this album. Yep, totally. And and not, we'll talk about it when we get to collaborators, but they're not adding to the group all that much in terms of who's influencing the writing and, and the sounds. There's new people here and there, but that's the core group and it it stays yep. intact. So that probably has a lot to do with why it's it's fairly consistent even when they've been sort of shaken by Zane leaving. For sure. All right. Shall we just get to it? Let's get to it. So you mentioned Drag Me Down already. Nobody can drag me down. Nobody, nobody. And that's the biggest hit, right? It peaked at number three, which tied it with Live While We're Young and, and was only behind Best Song Ever in terms of where they wound up on the Hot 100. It was the first single. They get the music video where they're astronauts and, you know, Harry drinks from the rainbow mug with next to a robot and it's very exciting. Yeah. It's also super zeitgeisty because there's sort of a Zane, nobody can drag me down angle. For sure. To this. You're with me? I am. There's no doubt. I mean, look, first of all, this album has aura of celebration around it. Boy bands did not get this far. NSYNC made three albums that mattered and don't bring me all the Christmas stuff that they did. That shit doesn't count. It's that time Christmas time is like this, this is a real now canon of work. And this song has some of that celebration in it. It also gives just enough innuendo that people can read whatever they want into it about the Zane departure. 
Is there bitterness in this song to you? <laughs> if this is One Direction doing bitterness, that actually kind of says a lot about One Direction, right? And the personalities that are in this group, because right. this actually very well might be them doing bitterness. It's really not all that bitter. Look, the live version of this song is unbelievable. Harry sings the hell out of these vocal descents. Nobody can He's tossing his hair out of his face, but, you know, he's singing like a superstar. It's really some next-level stuff. Louis on the pre-chorus. Whoa! Louis smokes this song. He's got an edge. It's, wow, has he come a long way. If I didn't have you, there would be nothing left. The shell of a man that could never be his best. He totally has an edge, and he's come a long way, but he also... You need that nasal quality. Yes. Sometimes. And there's a sharpness to it that works so well here. And it's it's amazing a razor to sort of see where song. he is. Yeah, I totally. Agree. And but you know, Louis. Biggest. Yeah, it's it's definitely the biggest. I need to bring up something that has to do with this song. Definitely. So there was an interview that the guys did about a lot of the songs on this album, just the album as a whole. But Liam is talking about this song and he says that Jamie Scott, when he brought it to them before playing the song for the guys, he described it as a mixture between Tayo Cruz and Maroon 5. Come on, man. How can they say that? Well, so apparently this did not really go over well. And Liam's like, what are you, Tayo, Cruz and Maroon 5, what do you want us to do here? Um, and I don't think he explained it in, in the best way possible, but it was like whatever. He said it's a mixture, mixture between Tayo, Cruz and Maroon 5. And we were like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And when they heard it, they still didn't love it. They thought it was kind of too different from the sounds that they were super into. According to Liam, what they tweaked to get comfortable with it and to be more into it had a lot to do with the drum sounds. And particularly if, if you listen, it's a lot of hand claps. It's a lot of like symbols. It's really not very Tayo Cruz or Maroon 5. And I think that's an interesting example of them exerting their their musical influence, even in a situation where, you know, none of them write on this song. It's just brought to them. That's happening less and less, but it is still happening. Uh, I guess they, all, they got the, their influence was getting the Tayo Cruz out of the room. Yeah. Well, first of all, Tayo Cruz's dynamite is stole my heart from up all night. We've established right, so they've that. already done it. They've already done it once before. So good for them for not repeating it. But second of all, can you actually name another Tayo Cruz song? Um, oh shoot. No. Yes. I, you win if you can. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. The, the, Hangover song with Flo Rida. I got a hangover. Whoa. Oh, great. Nora wins again. Just my luck. Here's my point. Like, 
Tyle Cruz is not a sound. Tyle Cruz is dynamite. Tyle Cruz is a vibe. Tyle Cruz is a lifestyle. <laughs> Tyle Cruz is an experience. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. When you walk in the room, you're like, I'm thinking Tyle Cruz. You're saying it's dynamite. Right? But also, like, what is a mixture between Tayo Cruz and Maroon 5? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of Maroon 5 little... It's like little... a mixture between a donkey and a snail. Like, we're, we can't no, breathe we these things one... together in a lap. Like, I don't know how. Well, maybe we could. That seems like a great idea. That would be the <laughs> slowest animal on Earth. The slowest, dumbest animal on Earth, besides me, would be a donkey <laughs> bred with a snail. All right. I think we have to move on. Uh, well, no. Before we move on, though, do you like this song? I do. I totally I dig it. I totally dig it. You know, sometimes with the singles, it's easy to sort of roll your eyes. But this song is cool. Harry rocks it. They all rock it. I love it. I love it. They sound great. Shouts to Louie. Uh, I do have one small issue with this song, but I'm going to save it for later. Well, so... Is it the best song on the album? I don't think it's the best song on the album. Okay. I think it's it's top half. Yes. And let's talk through this because I need help. This is a genuinely impossible category for me. Uh, my contenders Ditto. are Olivia. I live for you, I long for you, Olivia. Yep. Hey, Angel. Hey, Angel. Oh. AM. It's always made in the AM. Perfect what? and history. Baby, you're perfect. So let's start right now. But it's pretty hard for me to not bring up what a feeling. What a feeling to be a I think the bonus tracks are really good. I, I, this album is stacked. I think this album is stacked and particularly, I think it's really consistently good. So help me, please. Okay. First of all, I think the right answer is temporary fix. So that's what I was, I was, when I say, I think the bonus tracks are really good. I'm what I mean in my head is, Temporary fix. Yeah, slice. I mean, I have a problem as I have throughout the course of this journey with the fact that this is, you know, Sex on Fire uh, by Kings of Leon. But I, I, it's so good. And Niall wrote it. That I love this song. I think Olivia's got to be in the conversation. We'll revisit that in a second. Who is Olivia? Who is Diana? Can somebody tell me these things? There's well, Terry knows who Olivia is now, but maybe yeah. not at this point. <laughs> well, the question, yeah. Was that fortune telling? Was that aspirational? I don't know. Am I the only one who thinks if I could fly is awesome? For your eyes only show you my heart um I don't why does that song you... get me I so, love this song the for your eyes only because it's a Harry Styles song and it is a Harry Styles song he he wrote it with um Johan Carlson who he was writing 
kind of a lot with at the time. They wrote a song um, for Ariana Grande called Just a Little Bit of Your Heart. Just a little bit of your heart. Just a little bit is all I'm asking for. That's mm. on my everything that Harry has done live. And I sort of think should have been a Harry Styles song. Well, the For Your Eyes Only sounds a lot like Bonnie Raitt's I Can't Make You Love Me. But yes. it's not it's not a lift. So uh, this song is great. I I feel a bit like a cheese ball to love this song, but I really I really love If I Could Fly. It's not the best absolute best song, but I'm with you that there's this mix. You don't like Infinity? I like Infinity a lot. I I you will hear this when we when you force me to cut something that I dearly love at some point. Yeah. I just don't think that there are weak points on this album. Okay. I mean, there you know everything's relative, but we'll I, have a conversation about that. I, I Infinity, it just gets so lost because it's that big song and it's sort of a silly word and to infinity and beyond. It sort of gets into that, but the song is awesome. Like the song is the guys love this song. If you hear them, yeah, there's some interviews. Um, They did this. If people haven't, this is what I was referencing where Liam tells that story about Jamie Scott mentioning Tower Cruise and Maroon 5. Billboard just got an interview with them where they went through track by track and talked about the songs. It is awesome. And when they talk about Infinity, they're all just like, I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs on the record. Louis says, epic banger, yeah? Banger, epic banger, yeah. Um. Yeah, it is. I mean, they've got the fix you outro drum thing, but the most of the entire song is basically E to B to A, but there's that one section at the end and around the like, I don't know, 335 mark where they go E to B and then they drop to F minor, F, F sharp minor. And it rules. It absolutely rules. Niall starts the song out. Like, look at how much progress we've made. Down to earth. Keep on falling when I know it hurts. And there's just something about this song that for me resonates really deeply. I'm with you though, Nora. It's really hard to pick what's the best thing on this album. Those Those are the four for me. I don't know that I can pick between them. How do you feel about Hey Angel? Because I love Infinity. I think the reason that Infinity is not on this list is that Hey Angel is the like huge song with bittersweet symphony vibes and big strings that like really, really gets me on this one. Yeah. And Infinity totally does that too, but Hey Angel, I just absolutely love. I think it's I think it's really good. It's a great scene setter. It definitely has that bittersweet symphony vibe. You know the one. 
sometimes gets in the way of me being able to fully enjoy a One Direction song when when it's all in your face. This isn't totally in your face. I mean, Harry talks about this being like clouds. Yeah. I didn't totally get clouds, as you know, but I definitely get Hey Angel. Like, I really enjoy the song. I think it does an awesome job of setting the scene. And for whatever reason, it's the perfect opener for Drag Me Down. Can I toss a theory at you and, and you can tell me what you think of it? Yes. It's funny to me that this is their album that feels most indebted to music that came from the UK. Other than when we talked about what makes a boy band on our very first episode, I think we might mention the Beatles for the very first time talking yeah, about will. this record. We will. And there's a ton of Oasis here. You're my Yeah. There's a ton of just Brit pop in general. And there's, you know, there's a lot of still the 80s stuff that is more coming from the US. Coincidence, not a coincidence. Do you hear more more Brits on this thing than any other One Direction album? I suppose if we're doing the math that the answer to that is yes. But I also hear, I mean, listen, can we just celebrate that finally we don't have Ed Sheeran on here? <laughs> I mean, Sorry, Ed. at least we don't have that Brit on here. A really good friend of mine texted me today asking a question about 18 because she was like, you guys have to talk about this. That's my favorite One Direction song, oh, but I don't understand boy. why they talk about being on the playground because who's on the playground when they're 18? This makes no sense. And I was like, oh. I'm so sorry to break it to you, but I'm just going to like be totally cruel to Ed Sheeran throughout this entire series, even though 18 is is a song that I do actually like. Um yeah. But yes, Ed is not here anymore. Ed's not here. There are lots of influences on this album, but in its own way, I still feel like one of the reasons I really enjoy this album is they've buried a lot of those influences. There's still a few songs where you're like, come on, man. I mean, you know, let's... Walking in the Wind. The fact that we can sit right here and say goodbye means we've already won. Harry, this is Paul Simon's Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. People say she's crazy. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. It just is. Yikes. And and I love it. And I'm glad that he's, of course, every songwriter ever has their influences that they, and, and, and young songwriters in particular will write songs that sound a lot like their influences. And it feels like that's what's happening here. It feels like this is, honing his craft. I just wish it wasn't the fifth album. It's a nice song, but it's Paul Simon's Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, and he said as much. Yeah, the bass line of that song also sounds like, oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. You know I didn't even know her name. Oh, nice. The intro to Oh, What a Night. Uh, In terms of honing the craft, though, and I think mostly it works very well. It's one of the areas in which I think they take a real step forward. Harry in particular has found a way to do a different version of putting a lot of words into a song that hmm. is not the Ed Sheeran version. And because there's that line in Walking in the Wind that's a necessity for apologies between you and me, baby, there is none. The necessity for apologies between you and me, baby, there is none. That's not my favorite moment 
of that. My my favorite moments of that happen on Olivia and actually in the I, the bridge in Hey Angel. Is another example of that that I think is great. But it is funny that we started off having a lot of issues with the Ed, Ed songs being just so pumped full of words in a way that didn't feel authentic to One Direction. I do think one of the ways in which you see their development is they've found they found their own love of of wordplay. I think Harry in particular. Well, there's a lot of wordplay on Olivia. Say what you're feeling and say it now Cause I got the feeling you're walking out And time is irrelevant when I've not been seeing you Yes And there's also a lot of strings on Olivia And to your point earlier about influences Here's where we talk about the Beatles Because these strings were done at Abbey Road It's got some mix of Penny Lane And little help from my friends all over it Penny Lane is in my ears And in my What are they saying at the beginning? Could you pick it out? I think they're just talking about, it sounded like they're rehearsing and they're talking about when people are going to come in and what they're going to, it sounds just sort of like studio chatter. Yeah, at the beginning and the end. But I mean, Bonetta said Olivia was Harry's genius. And it's a brilliant song. It really, really, really is a brilliant song. I absolutely love it. And yeah, that the lyrics having an awareness of what the words sound like coming out of one's mouth. Like, I've been idolizing the light in your eyes, Olivia. I live for you. I long for you, Olivia. Like, they're tongue twisters and it's so cool. I live for you. I long for you, Olivia. I've been idolizing the light in your eyes, Olivia. They're learning how to write a song. It's so cute so adorable. I love them so much. Did you actually say that What a Feeling is in the running for you? I love that song. Does it not sound like the America song, You Can Do Magic? You can do magic You can have anything that you desire Nathan, I say this with so much love. I'm not sure how many One Direction fans are super familiar with that song. I hear what you're saying, but I just, I don't know if it would have been. You're giving me a sick old guy burn right now. With just so much love in my heart. I I don't think that One Direction fans know any of these songs. Well, but that's probably part of it, right? Like that's, it's, and it doesn't completely eliminate the need for the conversation of musically, where is this stuff coming from? Where did they get these ideas? Were they all organic? Were they born out of little Niall Horan's brain or somewhere else? I'm just here to teach, Nor. I'm just here to teach. <laughs> giving us a great musical education. <laughs> Do you want the knowledge or not? I, I just think it needs to be entered into the record that maybe some of their fan base I'm wouldn't old. have made the connection that Thank you. you so wonderfully have made for us. But Can I tell you what I love about this song? There's a sort of wall of sound 
effect that we've talked about in, in different contexts with them before, but like, there's something to that song where it sounds just like big and propulsive, but actually I think often what's happening there is that they do, um, like they do just like a gang vocal on the chorus where they're all singing at once yeah. and yeah. the wall of sound is their voices. That's and then America, the instruments baby. get to be like the little, um, top line that gives you all the accents and, and all the character and all the texture. And I think that's awesome. Okay. How do you not think that song's just a total vibe? I, I do. No, I do. It just, it, it has a lot of the America you can do magic vibes for me, but I okay. enjoy okay. the song. It just doesn't, man, I was moved by If I Could Fly. I really was moved. So that one, that one like really pulled at my heart in a way that, that I guess what a feeling doesn't. Now, where are you on I Want to Write You a Song? Not great. Really? Yeah. The ASMR Not- scribbling of a pencil in the background. <laughs> in just into pain for the feeling that I get when you are gone. I want to write you a song. It's it's not. I don't know that it, uh, Liam seems to really like it. This is a very personal That's why I song thought you would like it. Liam. Um, As the biggest <laughs> Liam stan that I know. So he doesn't get a writing credit on it, though. It's yeah. it's very important to him, and he has some sort of relationship with the idea of it. It's very but sweet. He doesn't get a writing credit on it. I do think it's very funny that he says this is a song about how I've always wanted to write someone a song that's really meaningful. It's not that because I don't think I've done it yet, but it's about wanting to do it. <laughs> right. It's the kind of song I've always wanted to write for somebody. And the funny thing about it is I've never, I've never actually managed to write that song yet that I haven't really thought, yeah, this is the song that I'd, I'd, I'd have written for someone. Um, right. So it's like this song did not accomplish the goal, but I still like where it's going. Yeah, it's it's uh, spoiler alert. If I have to cut something, that's what I'm cutting. Really? Yeah. You've you've already spoiled the rest of this podcast. I will tell you this: Wolves is a good song. The <gasps> chorus is massively underrated. In the middle of the night, Nile on the pre-chorus sounds a lot like Bieber, but this thing is a hidden gem for me. I ain't afraid of baiting, ain't enough for the taking. You got the whole shaking. I really oh, thank like God. wolves. Thank God. I thought you were going to cut wolves and we were about to duel. No, I, we're still on okay, good I'm songs. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm so sorry. This okay. The, this is the beauty of this album is we really have a hard time picking out the best ones. And it, it is definitely hard to take them out back and shoot them like old yeller. Like you can't, I, it's hard to make that decision. A wolf. Shoot them like a snail donkey hybrid. Like a snail donkey. Yeah. Can't have those things running around. What if they procreate? That Wolves, I just, I love the chorus of this song. Absolutely. 100% right there with you on this. Mr. Niall Horan is yeah. so absolutely in his bag writing wise on this album. And I, I think it, stays underrated somehow because all he wants to do is just have like a good ass time. Yeah. Harry on some level wants to move you, wants you to feel something, wants 
these like wants to either be super cheeky or super compelling and thoughtful. Niall just wants to have so much fun. Yes. And maybe that doesn't seem as like big and important, but his songs, which are never enough, temporary fix and wolves are so good. I agree. We're starting to see why the solo career is going to do way better than anybody thought. Nora, there's a song that is sitting right there that we haven't even spoken about yet. And I know why we haven't spoken about it. We'll get to it. Because we know we're going to talk about it later. Yeah, because we know we're going to talk about it. All right, we'll wait. We'll wait. For everybody who's like, why are they talking about Perfect? We will (laughs) talk about Perfect. If you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs about. Don't worry, we'll talk about Perfect. There's some other nice songs on here. Love You Goodbye, that sort of the inevitability that everything good comes to an end feels very, um, you know, apropos for the moment. I love that Louis hits the high note in the bridge. Like it's again, another great Louis moment on this album. I mean, Never Enough is not up there for me, but the Liam High come-ons are cool and Niall wrote it. It's pretty fun. I love that song. Yeah, I, I just think it's a blast. It's not it's not top, top cream of the crop on this album for me either, but I think it's a, just an absolute yeah, blast. it's not filler for me. End of the day, same thing. I mean, I think these were maybe two different songs. Love can be frightening for sure. That they just sort of stitched together and made one with the tempo changes and stuff. Yeah, but I think that's really cool because how many times have we talked about, okay, a lot of these songs are three minutes or less and they don't always, there are a lot of really short bridges in One Direction songs. We talked about that concept a lot with Taylor Swift often pushing herself to make sure that she felt like there's enough song in every song. And sometimes I think you could criticize earlier One Direction songs for really not having all that much song. It's a really good hook and some other stuff to fill it in. That song's got a lot of song. Yeah, it has a lot of song. The chorus... Felt like a hat tip to the queer community in ways that they hadn't done as overtly before. Maybe I don't have that right, but... I no, like, I think that's right because I, yeah. I do think this is the era for that, right? right. Particularly because there's the, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the Drag Me Down video, just at one point, Harry's drinking a coffee with the robot, but he has yeah. um, the mug that has like a big rainbow on it. Harry sometimes seems to pull a lot of the, you know, the, the halo for that, but it, this does feel like sort of a cross band thing that they understood their audience really well and that they were willing to, to actually put that into words. I think is this, th- that makes this song special, I think. Yeah. I mean, the audience deserves a lot of credit for it too, right? Because there were, there were big fan groups that put in a lot of work to host meetups at their shows and form a community make that fandom a really wonderful space for a lot of people. So the Mm. boys deserve credit for it. Harry gets a lot of the halo, but he also, not that the others didn't, but he did a lot of the work. 
yeah. he's certainly been out front in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but the fan base deserves credit for that too, I think. Well, I think I sang the praises of Temporary Fix. It obviously has the sex on fire. It has some of the Everybody Talks by Neon Trees. It's still just such great Nile work. You made a case for AM. This is the only song on the album where all four get writing credit. They also use the phrase talking out of our asses, which I think is the first time they actually use something that resembles a swear word. I mean, they do I have that wrong? I think that's right. It's it just doesn't even sound like a so much of the joy of this album is the fact that it sounds like a lot of it sounds like stuff you would sing at three o'clock in the morning right? in a piano bar, just being really silly with your best friends. Right. And maybe that's a, a cleaned up image of what was actually going on in, in their relationships with each other. And at the time, but that's what, if you're a fan that's just wanting to still be a part of this thing while you can, like that's a pretty nice gift to the fans to sort of put that front and center. And there's something about that line that I think just captures that. Why did they call this made in the AM? (laughs) Well, so there is the pun or whatever you want to call it with AM seeming like it could mean after Malik, but they also made it in the AM, right? Like yeah. these guys did a lot of the work at four o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. Liam actually, I think on, I want to write you a song recorded the vocal at four o'clock in the morning and sounded, he was really tired and his throat was kind of sore. They ended up liking it. So anytime you think that your heart is gonna sink, you know it won't. But his voice was just super raspy Hmm. relative to what it would normally sound like. So it is not an exaggeration that a lot of what they would do to make this album was happening in the wee hours of the morning. Okay. Well, it just seemed like maybe there was a slightly more... And, and But do you think that they meant for it to be made in the morning or for you to actually say made in the AM? I think they must have meant made in the AM because that's, that's what they what say the on the song. Gravitated to. Yeah. Okay. Well, and Fine. also, you know, won't you stay till the AM? Yes. Is yes. the line on the song. Won't you stay till the AM? Agree. Well, we've talked through lots of these songs that we like. And you sort of tipped your hat onto what you would cut. What would you cut? I want to write you a song as my cut. You really would. You really would. I really would. I just found Long Way Down to be just meh. We built it up so high and now I'm falling. It's a long way down. It's the only one where I was like, it's meh. And it doesn't stick with me. It's not something that I feel like I need to listen through to. There's something on I Want to Write You a Song. There's just a sweetness to it that I enjoyed. And maybe it's the ASMR shit in the background that keeps me going. 
but I I don't feel like I need to kill that one. So I do like a couple of things about Long Way Down. I like that a lot of the instrumentation, uh, it goes up and then it goes down. You climb up to the top and then you go down and it's what the song is about. And I think that's cool. Right. Um, I also love that apparently John Ryan, when they were recording the vocals for this song, told Niall to sound like Springsteen. And oh, Niall boy. was just so deeply tickled by this idea. And it, there's an interview where he talks about it. And he just is like, he told me to sound like the boss. And he thinks it is just the greatest thing. And apparently they told him that he kind of got it, which might have been throwing the guy a bone. But I, that backstory sort of charms me enough that I'm into the song. Well, this is definitely the hardest album to pick something to shoot. But the category is what we would have cut and we have to make a decision. So for me, it's Long Way Down. For you, it's I want to write you a song, ignoring the sort of Beatlesness of it. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text. And it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Who's their most important collaborator? Okay. You're going to so. surprise me here. Yeah, I think I might. Unless whenever I think I'm going to surprise you, we like are in a secret mind meld. And okay. I just don't know. So we'll find out. But Let's see. I think their most important collaborator on this album, particularly because we talked earlier about how the core team has kind of been established. The core right. songwriting team and the fact that the guys are going to write some stuff together, contribute on some stuff on their own, like, that is all static for the okay. most part, at least in terms of progressing from four to made in the air. Yes. Something that really changes, uh, ratchets up, I should say, is that this album to me is one where the fact that it is, is made with a lot of instruments as opposed to a lot of computers really mm. comes through. And Gavin Greenaway is a guy who's credited as a conductor on the album. 
And he's also credited as a performer for leading the instrumentalists on Hey Angel. Infinity. And Olivia. Three songs that I like very much. Mm -hmm. And so using him both for his specific contributions, but also a little bit as a stand-in for just the fact that there are a ton of musicians playing on this and, and contributing to a lot of different songs in a lot of different ways. He is my most important collaborator. I like it. Well done. Good job by you, because I was really in the more boring, but I think important foundational part. I just imagine, we now know this to be true, loads of chaos in 2015. Mm -hmm. Just chaos everywhere and uncertainty and anxiety rearing its head through all the members of the band. And in those very choppy seas, you generally need a leader who is going to stay even keeled and relatively dispassionate and keep moving ahead. And to me, it feels like Julian Bonetta, John Ryan, and Jamie Scott were that even keeled boat that sailed through the tumult in the seas and really gave these boys a voice. They're not boys anymore. They're young men. Gave these young men a voice in a moment in which a lot of other people were speaking for them. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I think also for what it's worth, Jamie Scott really is part of the squad. And I don't know that I felt like I did a good enough job of crediting him on earlier albums just because Julian Bonetta and John Ryan were a team of two initially, but he was the one who was not a member of that initial two-person team who seemed like he really, really stuck with them as a collaborator and a, a songwriter. So I'm into that. I would also add that they sort of had one outside source who helped them funnel their voices into the public ear, I suppose, in a way that felt effective and, and kind, who is James Corden, yes. who they have a long history with. And I think becomes, actually, there was the split second where I thought about making him the most important collaborator, sure. just because I think it it was a real comfort that they had someone who they could go do big interviews with and promote their stuff, who got them, had an established relationship with them. And you can hear, you know, he asks them about Zane. He asks them what's going on. He yeah. makes jokes about, can I join the band now? I know where, I know where you're... Did you ever think, oh, hang on, we know that. Is there any, like, you need to be a British guy. I imagine. Wears a nice in blue suit. The, to the fit, you know, voice of an angel, <laughs> dances his life. Did you ever think, <laughs> did you think about it? Did it cross your mind? No. <laughs> but there's a compassion to it that's not always... It's very fatherly, yeah. Yeah, and there are other examples of that with on other shows to varying degrees of fault with the hosts that are not like that. Like, there's one appearance where they, they go on Ellen and, like, it's fine. It's pretty funny. But she's asking a lot about Zane. 
And at one point, Harry just goes like, you could cut the tension in here with a knife. Have you talked to him since he's been gone? No. Yes. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing okay? Yeah, he's good. (laughs) Are you lying? No, genuinely. Why are you laughing then? (laughs) Because it's... You could cut the tension in here. (laughs) Well, they're just questions. Let's make Mm. some jokes. Uh, (laughs) And I... The start of Ellen's downfall. (laughs) Yeah, it was... was, um, I will say there were some other things that came of that appearance that were pretty funny. Um, So I'm not saying it was necessarily bad television, but I do think that it, it was nice for them to have an outlet like that where they felt comfortable. Well, what was P. Carey then? Did it come from one of those performances? All right. So I absolutely flip over Olivia in general. And for that specific reason that I love how he kind of writes in the tongue twisters. And to me, that's a real step forward. But I can't let this category pass without acknowledging one of my favorite Harry Styles moments of all time. It is not really a musical event, but in... 2015, the year that this album comes out, Harry goes to a Fleetwood Mac show in London and he brought Stevie Nicks a carrot cake that he had either baked or at least piped frosting of her name onto. And that is just one of my favorite things that's ever happened in the history of the universe. Well, it really starts a lovely friendship. Truly a lovely friendship is musical. I mean, Harry's going to bring Stevie Nicks out on stage on several occasions and they, they're going to sing Landslide together. And But I, I, how else? I mean, baked goods is how you start a friendship. The South knows that. And apparently the guy who stepped out of a bakery and into stardom never forgot what it takes to lock down a friendship. Good job by you, Harry. Where are you on carrot cake? You know, I'm okay with it. The spice, I'm I'm fine with. I mean, if you if you brought me a homemade carrot cake as a peace offering, I, w- I would I would absolutely consume it. Why do we need a peace offering? Because we disagree on almost every point in these <laughs> podcasts. Uh, but it's over I, the, the I want to write you a song feud of 2022, <laughs> as everyone knows. Look, I agree with you. That's a great pea carrot for me. I just can't stop looking at the hair. It, it's just 90s Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam. It's way too it's much hair. It's so long. It's so unkempt. It, he doesn't really look great with it, but watching him muss with it and try to... He's constantly... It's just always in the way. It's like he consciously chose to have this annoying thing on his head that he didn't really know how to deal with. And, and yet, the sort of the sweetness and and wonderful naivete of Harry Styles is that he still can't exactly figure out what is this thing that keeps bothering him. And the answer is, Harry, it's the hair. And I'm glad it's going to disappear at some point. But man, it's like he, it's an animal. It's like a donkey mated with a snail and took up shop on his head. And he still hasn't <laughs> figured out what's going on. I think it's because Harry secretly wants to be a rock star more than more than he wants to be a For heartthrob. Sure. Because he really doesn't look great with it. And it, I mean, you know, yeah. all things are relative. But he's constantly fussing with it. It, it. it seems like it gets greasy and it's just a little silly. Yeah. And, and I, sometimes I look at it and I wonder if he was almost like, I need to get the swooning to calm down just a tiny bit. Don't really think it worked 
but he was rebelling. You you know that it is central to the way in which I see the world that if anyone makes a substantial decision with their hair, I really think there must be a a lot behind it. Yeah, no, bangs are always a thing for you. Anytime anybody goes bangs, Nora immediately is onto the scent. This is like as close to as Harry ever came to getting bangs. This was Harry's bangs. Okay. I don't mind that he was, I mean, it was either the the tattoos or or, or the hair, but th- that to me was a, a big peak Harry moment. Uh, the peak Louie, I, I mean, it, is it that he becomes a father or is it the Twitter feud with Zane? So I think in the truest sense of what is the peak Louie action, by his uh, own admission, he just cannot hold his tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So definitionally the Twitter feud with Zane, which frankly, Louis starts. Yep. Because Zane's producer tweets a photo of the two of them using an old Mac photo booth filter that he's right, is a little corny. Louis but started it. Louis tweets about how lame that is. And then the producer comes back at him and it accuses him of needing auto tune. And, you know, then Zane gets involved and it's just Remember when you had thing. a life and stopped making bitchy comments about mine? Right. And and this is one of the things where I think James Corden ends up being helpful because he asks about it and Louis says, I have difficulty holding my tongue. Uh, You're on good terms. Yeah, I mean, you because know. Because there, there was a thing on Twitter, but have you... No, have you... I know. I, I've never been one... Uh, I've never been very good at biting my tongue. Maybe I get it off my mom. Uh, Twitter's not always the greatest space for that, but yeah, that's, that is sort of the most Louis thing that happens, but love you. Goodbye is also a really personal song to him. Which I think is sort of fitting because it would be hard to rank them in this way. And I don't think that we should engage with that exercise. But if you were to sort of analyze which members of One Direction uh, have the strongest need to Stay process in one their feel, well, sh- no, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say okay. process their <laughs> process their feelings through the concept of physical intimacy. Yes, Louis up there. Yeah, Louis pretty high on that list. I'm not sure anyone in this band is low on the list, though. But Louis high on the list. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's not a lot of underperformers when it comes to horn doggery, as it were. (laughs) Ironically, maybe Niall, although temporary fix. You caught my attention, you were looking at me first. All that I can see is you waking up in my t-shirt. That's what I'm saying. Uh... Well, spe- speaking of, yeah, Dalry, look, I think Louis on this album, you can't understand Louis until you hear this album for me because of the songwriting, because looking back, the direction that he has pointed one direction, and maybe this is his sort of elder statesman, even though Liam always sort of was the father. We'll get to Liam in a second. I, I do I do think that this this album reflects very kindly on on the impact that Louis had on this group, even if it wasn't always grabbing the microphone and making you go, wow, 
Finally, on this album, there are moments where I hear Louis grab the microphone and I go, wow. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that grabs you the most because it is that progression. It's something that where there's been change over time and his ability to do that. Where yeah. he's been consistent is as one of the core songwriters. And he's also, right. he writes on Perfect It's um, with Harry. Yeah. End of the day, long way down. What a feeling, history, right? which they all do. And love you goodbye. Which, by the way, does that sound like apologize to you? The way you look, I know you didn't come to apologize. Yeah, there's tether all over that thing. Yeah. There's tether um, all over these albums. It's fine. But they I'm, love Ryan I'm Tedder. kind of into it because when I hear something as apologize, I kind of hear it mashed up with apologize because Taylor did it. So it almost makes me into it. All right. That's fine. Look, if we're going to talk about vocals, though, we got to get to my peak Liam because my peak Liam is Liam stepping in to pick up Zane's vocals. I mean, he really did it. And I miss Zane, but this album does not suffer from lack of high parts. Harry doing the drag me down high parts and then Liam just stepping in all over subtly and not in a way that is sort of showy and overly dramatic, but he carries a lot of water here. Girl, I hope you're sure what you're looking for. Cause I'm not good at making promises. Totally. My peak Liam is a vocal moment as well. It's not necessarily so much a note as it is a screech on Never Enough when he does that. Yes. It's never, it's never, it's never, it's never. Ah! Yes. Kelly Clarkson! No! Kelly Clarkson! <laughs> he he has some really good screeches on this album. He he's <laughs> you know the the high yeah, the high come ons are just great on Never Enough. And they just set him loose. I mean uh, there must have been some substance involved in some of these choices that night. <laughs> I'm just saying. Was, I have no comment. He was really on fuego that night. On fuego, indeed. I mean, maybe the reason that on I Want to Write You a Song, when they recorded it at four in the morning, his voice was hurting was because he'd been screeching. Yeah. Well, that's that, That's probably it. But speaking of never enough, for me, it, it's that's the part of Peak Nile. He is really turning into a writer here. And yeah the seeds of his solo career are right in front of you. And I think a lot of us in the moment missed it and didn't ascribe as much talent to the young lad, probably because his personality, speaking of carpool karaoke, just overwhelms everything. I love that he sat in the front seat. He's just so fun. Like he, of all of them, loved being in One Direction. He loved being yeah. a star. He loved having fans. Like he was made for this. 
And even in that episode, like Louis sitting next to Harry, probably like worried about what people are going to say that he's in a car next to Harry. He's looking out the window a little bit. Harry is just being Harry in the middle. Liam's in the back. Like, Harry's making playing sure, with his hair. Yeah. Liam's making sure everybody has the seatbelt on and chiming in. But Niles in the front, just so fired up. He's totally IFing the camera the whole time. He's it's great. He's just a chatterbox. He's just a total chatterbox. And it's so funny because it's, it's in some ways, it is the exact same guy who didn't exactly knock it out of the park with his X Factor audition. But Katy Perry was just so deeply charmed by his presence that it was like, Yes, more of whatever's going on here, just more of it. She got peer pressured into letting him through, but it, th- th- some of the other judges had a sense. E- either way, we know that that serendipity of all those guys getting through is what made this band the band that they are. And now they're only four and Zane's gone. Do we do peak Zane when Zane's not in the band? Well, so hold on. We can't move off of Nile quite so quickly because I, I do want to talk about Never Enough. Because it's not, I didn't put it in my group of favorite songs, but I still want to give it its flowers because I just think it is so much fun. I think the sort of acapella, like doo-woppy thing to it is so cute. The horns are awesome. And the thing that it just brings up for me is like, what other band could do this song? The only thing I came up with was Kiss. Kiss? Don't you think Kiss could somehow just like do this? This is a weird question. It's it's weird. It makes me feel weird because I've never really thought about the band others covering the band songs, because I'm always so focused on how the band is covering other people's songs. Uh, Kiss would be great doing this. Queen could do this song. Yeah, it has to be like a, a high comfort with ridiculousness. Bobby McFerrin could do this song. <laughs> Maybe. Fun All could right. do this song. Maybe. I, I, I'm not sure. Like, really? Yes, this song kind of would not be that good in the wrong hands because it has to have, it has so much spirit. Mm. And if you're not doing the scream, if you can't sort of like find a way to do a vocal that milks the silliness that matches with the horns just blaring and the confidence it takes to do this song and just be like, okay, we are a big mainstream pop sort of act and we're just going to put this song on our record and it's going to be pretty great. Like, I, I really think that that is harder than initially meets the ear and there's a real theme of that denial. Greta Van Fleet could do this song. Ew. Ew. What did I get at ew for that? Uh, I'm not into the Greta Van Fleet version of Never Enough. All right. Well, you asked if Kiss can do this is, it. This is why I'm going to have to bring you a carrot cake. Yeah, exactly. Three now. I got a ew. What if I said that to your carrot cake? Ew. I like carrot cake. I had a karaoke birthday party 
where there I'm was a sure carrot cake did. several years ago, and it was a little controversial, but I was into it. Well, it's the whole thing. We're fine with carrot cakes. It certainly made things happen. Are we doing Peak Zane or not? Yeah, I think we got to do Peak Zane. Okay. And I think the reason that we have to do Peak Zane is that there's a real conversation about Zane leaving the band. Why? If they're going to suffer without him, how he's going to do out there on his own. They kind of go back and forth, right? Like there's the thing with Louie on Twitter. Uh, Zane, when they put People out... People are taking sides. Let's be clear. Right. And when they put out Drag Me Down, Zane does kind of take the high road on that. He tweets something out, like, love the single guys. But it's a big topic. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's working on music. And in January of 2016, so a few months after Made in the Am comes out, he releases Pillow Talk as the first single. So we'll The music video eventually comes with Gigi Hadid, who he's now dating. But the song itself debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, which Mm -hmm. One Direction had not done. No. And at this point, he's given his first interviews saying that he didn't like the music. He had trepidation about staying in the band or even being in the band kind of from the beginning. There have been all the back and forths. And... What's important about including this to me is that in this conversation about if Zayn should have left, if there's blame to be assigned, what the future is for everybody involved, the music that he's making supports his argument for not wanting to have been there anymore. Yeah. Because it's a good song and it does really, really well. Yeah. Seemed to always have an awareness that this was not for him. And and I think some of the comments when he left the band were hurtful in the way that they were sort of packaged into sound bites and made to be sort of Twitter consumable. But when you really read the depth and breadth of what he's saying, he's not throwing tons of shade on the One Direction music. He's just saying it wasn't for me. And he's being honest about the way that a lot of this music was created, which is that they were brought songs before they really got into the writing process. I mean, we heard it on the uh, unreleased, you know, the YouTube clip of uh, I Love KFC, right? Chicken, chicken. Like that song was brought to them basically pre-written and they worked on some words together. And for him, if the foundations of that song aren't, what he is into, he's stuck. So he knew that all along, and that's was part of what clearly was making this hard. I don't think that's the only reason he left the band. This is a young man who was dealing with a lot of emotional distress and uh, a, a lot of the things tied to the burnout that didn't hinder his love of music, but certainly hindered his love of the machine. But look, there's no denying that this is a great song and it was fun to see someone in their element making something that felt like his own. And it's the first time that we really got to hear directly from a single member of the band about what music was actually their own. Yeah, I 
think they're in some of the things that he said, it's kind of like, well, of course you're entitled to your opinion and there's nothing deeply offensive in there. But I do, I do think that when he says stuff like, you know, that's not music that I would listen to. Would you listen to one direction at a party with your girl? I wouldn't. To me, that's not an insult. That's me as a 22 year old man. Yeah. You're being dismissive of the young female fan base, right? Which is sort of like a cardinal sin in that universe. Sure. And, you know, it's it's no it's no massive crime. I also think that saying that in an interview and then saying, well, what? Why would you be upset with me is a little bit like, okay, come on, man. Zayn also, you know, like we've talked about with Louie, Zayn, funnily enough, being much uh, more of a, a shy personality, still has this little tendency to occasionally put his foot in his mouth. Um, yeah. He's had some weird interviews over the yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, there's maybe a little bit of that going on too. So it, I, there are some things that he said that I can understand why they hurt people's feelings. However, I do think that the music that he made right off the bat made a pretty compelling argument yes. for his point of view. Not just because it was sort of more of a sound that he was comfortable with or excited about, but also yeah. because that sound, I mean, in in that um, interview in The Fader, which was where he said all that stuff about not liking their music, I believe that article defines him as like the West's most prominent Muslim celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I think defines him that way accurately. At the point in time that we're talking about right now, just when Pillow Talk comes out, his record isn't out yet, but it's coming and it has acknowledgements of that that are really, really cool. Yeah. So he he says a lot of stuff and I understand why some of it upset people. At least initially, he goes out and does the stuff that he said that he was going to do and that wanting to do was part of why he wanted to get out of there. So I, I do think that that's sort of important to have on the record. Yeah, I mean, look, Timberlake, his first solo single was Like I Love You. It peaked at number 11 in the U.S. on the Billboard Hot 100, number two on the U.K. singles chart. Which is to say, it did not do as well as this song did. (laughs) And there's something about what follows that will break down as we get further into this journey and and why maybe it didn't launch the same solo career at least not yet that that Timberlake has had but he is um there is something about the authenticity of this man that is fascinating to me and he really sort of was a little bit of a whistleblower on some of the dark parts of this machine that was one direction Yeah. And so what happened on March 25th of this year was that one year exactly after he left the band, he releases Mind of Mine, his debut solo album, which... Hashtag real music. Hashtag real music. You make the comparison with Timberlake. I don't think that Zayn has maintained the type of career that Timberlake has. That album was a strong first entry. To the extent that Zayn has not necessarily had the solo career that maybe it seemed at one point like he could have, I don't think it's because he got off on the wrong foot, you know? He really didn't. And I think that's the question as to why he didn't maintain it is is one that we'll dive into. 
Right. We'll talk about, um, we'll find time to talk more about that album and the rest of Zayn's solo work another time. But that was, that was the big event. But first, but first, Nora. It's time. Are any of these songs about Taylor Swift? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Finally. It's a Are category. you looking for someone to write your breakup songs about, Nathan? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'm perfect. If you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs about, baby, I'm perfect. What a song. What a song. What a vibe. It has the style intro. I might never be night and shot an armor. It has the style everything. I mean, first of all, lyrically, it's the Pina Colada song. If you like Pina Coladas getting caught in the rain. But everything else. <laughs> Definitely. Lyrically, it's like the International Fuckboys anthem. Whoa! <laughs> what? <laughs> Look, this is a really good song. You're not getting flowers. You don't get to meet the parents. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's a terrific song. And I appreciate that Harry and Louie, like, didn't totally... They didn't lie about this, right? Yeah. Like they they want to keep the song they they're actually writing sophisticated enough songs now that they could be interpreted in many different ways as opposed to the let's hump songs from the first couple of albums. <laughs> like you know and, and so I appreciate that they at least endeavor to not spoil it for someone who's filling that song with their own feelings and you know ideas about what it actually means but this song is about Taylor Swift. It borrows from style. It is a absolute sort of reply hitting the ball to the other side of the net from the serve that was style. How great of a response is this? So like what's the reve- on the revenge scale? It doesn't really so here's how it gets its revenge is by not asking for revenge, right? Like uh-huh. Because it has that sophisticated quality where it's not just totally casting blame. It's just yeah. being like, all right, not everything. Like Harry talks about this song in that that Billboard interview. And <laughs> he's so funny because it seems like he's sort of choosing his words carefully, but at the same time, he can't help but be honest about it. Right. And he's like pausing and erring and umming between every word, but he just goes... It's a song about a relationship and it's a love song, sort of, but it's not really romantic. Long pause. It's not like Romeo and Juliet. It's cool because it's obviously a love song, but it's it's not that romantic. It's not like a Romeo Juliet type. I want to be with you. Which, oh, oh, who writes about Romeo and Juliet, Harry? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's never mm-hmm. occurred to me before. So 
So I, th- I think in the sense that it gets its revenge, it's sort of like, was this really ever the relationship that the other person might have thought it was? And yeah. did we have more of an understanding of this not being particularly serious or destined for love and marriage as it could have been made to seem like it would have? I really appreciate the self-awareness and vulnerability of the breakdown on the bridge where he effectively takes responsibility for what is hard to be with Harry Styles. Yes. Uh, But I I don't think that this song is super like mopey about, you know, oh, it's so hard to be with Harry Styles. It's sort of like, may not work out, but it might be fun. See, now listen to you. You, well, because you think in real life it was not fun, but I think in the world of the song, it might be slightly different. Yeah. Uh, how they actually wrote this and what was the coaching and guidance from Harry to some of the other songwriters and, you know, is is a novel yet to be written. But we know. Yeah. We know well, the answer. We, but Particularly just because the... Um, the use of style in this song is very smart. It's this, it's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that it rises to the level of ethering someone by using their own sound as say, dear John, but you and I are on record as thinking that that's a pretty neat trick. And I think they get points for that here as well. And I say they, because I don't know if that's Harry. I mean, we were, we were talking about those Ellen interviews. (laughs) Harry doesn't, always want to talk about this right now. He might be much more comfortable talking about it in the music than talking about it on television. But there's an appearance where they're on Ellen and they're playing Never Have I Ever. And one of the questions is, never have I ever written a song about me? And at first, Harry holds up the card that says never. And everyone in the audience is just like, no way. Bullshit. Okay. Never have I ever had someone write a song about me. We're not going to play if you're going to lie. And then later there's a question about like, never have I ever been with someone twice my age. And Harry's just like, I'm not having fun, guys. This isn't fun. We're all having fun. Yeah. I'm not having fun. <laughs> it's a great song. It is one of the songs that is the most played ever from this band. I think lyrically it is wonderful. There, I think two albums ago, they would have screwed this song up. It would have been too schmaltzy. There'd be a lyric in there that really sucks. That sort of breakdown would have been, uh, I don't know, a, a little too like subservient to the like teenage girl mass instead of just like, writing a meaningful song. This is a really good song and and uh, it deserves the flowers that it gets. I need to get you on record about something. Okay. Oh boy. We have to answer what the best breakup song or best song about One Direction or a, a One Direction member is because we've done this with Taylor, which really... I, so we talked about Zayn's songs a little bit his song before is sometimes read as about his time in One Direction and after. And I like that song quite a bit. I've done this before, I like this 
I really think this question comes down to style versus out of the woods. And I, I do believe I know where you stand on this, but I need you to say it. Style versus out of the woods? Yeah. It's out of the woods. Yeah, see, I'm just not, I'm, I, it's, I think it's style for me. You got them long hair, back, white I mean, I love style. I absolutely love style. I just have a sort of very unique attachment to Out of the Woods. I know. But, it's it's but okay. I, it's a fourth I, carrot cake. I, I, yeah, I, 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 we don't even need to break carrot cake over that. Like, we can have both. We can have carrot cake and chocolate on this one. Okay, that sounds good. That metaphor totally didn't work, but it's all good. We'll keep... <laughs> Let's keep, we're on hour eight of this podcast. Let's keep jamming. We know what happened on March 25th, which is that Zane released a solo album. And this is really where this date starts to take hold. Uh, it should yep. not, it should not be uh, overlooked that I think in this year, 2016, that uh, Louis's mother is diagnosed and sick and that's going to have something yep. as their uh, to do with this date, but that that this date really starts the conspiracy theory around March twenty fifth, doesn't it? Yep, 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 yep. So, who won the album? This was really hard for it's, me. It was impossible for me. Yeah, it, maybe we all won. Are we all winners? That's did, what did, I. Ha, that's what I was going to say. Okay, we can't totally chicken out. We almost chickened out of best song. We kind of did, so we can't yeah. chicken out of this. <laughs> Is it Harry? Because is the obvious answer the right one? And it's Harry because he gets the narrative with perfect, which I think comes off pretty well. And I think his songwriting has taken off in a big way. In my heart, I almost want to make the argument for Niall. Yes. Because of how much I love his songwriting here. Yeah. It's just that it is subtle. And I think the real answer might be Harry, but I I, I want to hear the case for Niall because I kind of I kind of feel that, but I don't know that it's I think that might be a little too much of an emotional pick as opposed to the real substance. My son dug up a video last night of when he was a baby crawling down a hall. And he was my my eldest daughter was filming and he was racing in quotes. My middle <laughs> My middle daughter, they're all like, you know, under the age of five. And my eldest daughter is holding the camera filming as my daughter and son are, are sort of r- crawl racing down the hall. And every my eldest daughter is saying, no, let him win to my middle daughter. And she's like, but I want to win too. <laughs> and what my eldest daughter says is, okay, we all can win. And that's how I feel about who won the album. The case for Niall would be that this is really a springboard to a solo career that nobody saw coming. And that that he was able to use this last go-round. I mean, he'd been developing it through time. I love the... You go back and look at the videos of them teaching him guitar. Like, he was always a student of this craft because he wanted it so badly. And I just think you could say that he won the album because a, a number of the songs... You made the case yourself in the way that you sang from the rooftops about a few of the songs that he wrote. But for me, I really think in this moment of chaos, 
frankly, an enormous amount of pressure, probably more pressure than the follow-up album, the second one. An enormous amount of pressure, so much chaos that we don't understand behind the scenes. At this point, their own nerves are frayed. Their own anxieties are flaring. They delivered this. And this is uh, one of the best pieces of work that they put out, as you said at the top. Can I tell you why you're absolutely right and Niall totally won this album? Yes. It's because I forgot to give you what is actually my peak Niall because I was so excited to talk about Never Enough. Okay. I'm going to invoke James Corden again for the 90th time. Wow, he's getting a but lot they, of love here. They went on his show and they played Tattoo Roulette. Where, right. And maybe this was real, maybe this wasn't, but everyone was going to pick a box and all the, the four remaining guys plus James Corden, all five of them were going to pick a box. Four of them inside the box were going to have the word safe. One of them was going to have the word tattoo. And the person who got the box that said tattoo was going to get a tattoo on the show. Right. And Niall, at this point, the only member of One Direction who doesn't have any tattoos, is so nervous about this. And it gets down to a... So they all open the boxes one by one. And like Liam opens his first and he's safe. And then Louie goes and he's safe. James Corden goes and he's safe. And so it's down to Harry and Niall. And Niall, like Harry has to go give him a hug. At one point, James Corden's like, oh my God, your hands are shaking. Look at Niall's face. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Niall, but I honestly, in that, I've never felt more alive. <laughs> and he's just so adorably terrified by this. Harry ends up having to get the tattoo, so it's okay. And Niall jumps up and down with delight at not having to get a tattoo. And it is just so precious and wonderful, and I love him so much. So there it is. Niall wins. <laughs> I rest my case. Well done. Is there a swoony lyric on this album? Man, there's kind of a lot of them. <sighs> I think I really might have to give it to if you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs about Baby I'm Perfect because it's just awesome. I know, but but it's not swoony. It's not, but it's, it's, it's a weird kind of swoony, but it's a little swoony. Okay, fine. I'm not really the best judge of this. The one that I love other than that, I mean, there's a bunch on this that I really love, but I just love the cadences on Olivia and I've been idolizing the light yes. in your eyes, Olivia. Yes. I've been idolizing the light in your eyes, Olivia. That's really it for me. I think you're picking the best lyrics, not the swooniest. You've been duped. Talent makes me swoon, Nathan. Fair enough. I have trouble with shittiest lyric. They figured it out. They figured out how to polish this stuff to make it not so schmaltzy and just blah. Like, I, I, we're just swimming around in our glasses and talking out of our asses is a little bit, but it's kind of cute. Ah, but it's great. It's yes, so great. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I think the only thing that I could really hone in on was the song that I wanted to cut from a long way down. We had a mountain, but took it for granted. We had a spaceship, but we couldn't land it. We found an island, but we got stranded. We had it all, yeah. Who could have planned it? We had a mountain, but took it for granted. 
had a spaceship, we could land it. What do you mean we had, a, we had a mountain but took it for granted? That's the only part. I'm like, you I th- climb to the mountaintop, but you you take for granted how far you've climbed. Okay. Like All I right, said, I, I will give it to you. I had Are trouble. Are there any lyrics on this on this album that you really love that you want to shout out? No. <laughs> All right, fine. I was trying to get you to do it because I am going to give my own entry into lyrics that I do not like on okay, this album. Fine. And it is just one very specific thing. Okay. Other than the fact that that um yet again uh on Love You Goodbye, they are just incapable of not including the phrase give it to me on yeah. songs. If tomorrow you won't be mine, won't you give it to me one last time? But that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> I think we need to ban these boys from writing about boats. Oh, because in I want to write you a song. Yep. All of a sudden, it's just I want to buy you a boat. I want to build you a boat. One as strong as you are free. Yeah, but and then and it it doesn't work for me. Okay. And on Drag Me Down. How am I? I've got a river for a soul. Yeah. And baby, you're a boat. Yeah. I got a river for a soul And baby, you're a boat Baby, you're my only reason I, I suppose the argument here is that the river keeps the boat afloat Yes, they have lots so of not, floating metaphors that use boats I think they should take a, a, a break from the nautical nonsense Maybe it's because Louis always worn so many stripes They felt like they needed to put a few boats in here But I don't know Well I am fine if you have problems with some of the lyrics. I really had trouble finding it. You asked me what my favorite lyric. It's probably the For Your Eyes Only in If I Could Fly. There's just something about that. I think it's really just the melody and the tone of the voice and all that. It's not like that's a lyric that no one's ever written before. I, you know, I have I get tripped up by that with them too, though. Like there's stuff on AM where I'll think that it's really the lyric that compels me and then I'll listen to it a bunch and go like, there is just such sweetness to this melody on certain lines that it gets me. That's okay. That's their superpower. That's what happened to me on this album. But in in the best way, I went through this album and didn't find anything that I was like, oh, that is so cringy. I wish that they... So hats off. We we finally got a lyrical journey from up all night all the way through to Made in the AM. There's this wonderful continuous journey of those two album titles that in and of itself is a nice little sort of lyrical play. Here we are at the end and they have definitely found a way to take what was schmaltzy plastic pop into something that matters. And that's the wonderful journey of this band that is not over, is it, Nora? Absolutely not. But before we go, we got to do it. We got to give the album a grade. All right. We've really been all over the map uh, on these things. So I, I'm very intrigued as the uh, harshest grader in the duo. What do you think of this album? It's really, I, I'm just going to give it an A. I'm going to break form and just do Straight it. Straight up? This is their best album. Wow. 
it's it. I thought about an A minus. I thought you were gonna say that four was your favorite, but this is their best album. Four has my favorite songs. On okay. It. Yep. We've made a distinction. But this between one those is more consistent, top to bottom, and as an album, the song crafting is in a place that I think it hasn't been before, and there's consistency here that I don't think that they've gotten to before again. And and I. This is one of those things that I think about when you when we talk about and think about, you know, losing a member, right? I wonder if there are songs on four that I think have a little more heart. And I love them in my heart just a tick more. But I also think that there are more that just don't quite hit the mark. So I think since we are grading the album. This is the best album, and I give it the best grade. I agree with you, Nora. Another yes! carrot cake. I agree with you. I didn't give it an A. I gave it an A-. minus. But I agree with you that this is their best album, start to finish. And I think that's probably a somewhat controversial take that you and I have, because I think there's a lot of people who feel like it's four. We'll see. But for me... And to, the, to those people, I say very, we have very valid opinion. For you. Carrot we have carrot for cakes you. for all of you. We also, I think, when we just talk about album that start to finish, for me, lyrically, melodically, song crafting, instrumentally, the progression of each of these young men, R.I.P. Zane from One Direction, uh, this album has it. It's an A- minus for me. And particularly because some of the stuff that like we liked, but didn't necessarily totally love. Like I like clouds more than you do, but we still like clouds. We get clouds. I like clouds quite a bit, but then it's just something about on this album, they're able to sort of take those concepts and then they become something like a Hey Angel that just improves on the form, right? And like there are those fourths in the harmonies on the bridge of the song where it just goes to another place. And there's like just a tension to it that's different. And just there's so much cool stuff fly. on this album. I, I just want to yell about it and scream about it forever. Me too. But we can only go so long. So we are through this catalog, Nora. What's next? Wow. It's unbelievable, Nathan. Can't believe it all started with what makes you beautiful. And now we're here. Are we done? What's we're next finished? Is- that's we're it? so not done. And what's what's next is what's next because we're going to get into what the guys did as, as solo artists because, unfortunately, spoiler alert, they do break up after this. That's just a sad note to leave this, this episode on. But the happy note is that we will be back talking about our guy Niall next, I think. Right, Nathan? And that's why Niall won this album. We're going to make the connection and see where he goes from here. Is it going to be good? Is it going to suck? Stay tuned. This has been every single album, One Direction. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he is Nathan Hubbard. We will be back on Thursday when we dive into the boys' solo careers, which is going to be really exciting. Thank you, as always, to the fabulous Kai McMullen for producing on this episode. And we'll talk to you guys soon. 